Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of your ex-boyfriend's podcast. This is episode 18, entitled, Who's Got Your Belly? You'll see why. Uh, Old business, as opposed to new business. First, before old business, I want to say that this episode is not sponsored by but is lubricated by Abalor 12-year-old Scotch whiskey from the Speyside region of Scotland. Thank you, John, for this wonderful Christmas gift. Old business. I want to say thank you to my first two guests ever on the podcast, Elizabeth, my dear sister, and Rachel my friend that was a great way to start out with the interviews on this podcast i think both of them went really well and i was very happy to have both of you on the show is this a show i guess we could call it a show on the podcast i don't know but that's beside the point thank you both of you for coming on And going forward, people who want to be on the podcast, anybody, please reach out. If you're part of Generation Z or you're a lesbian or you're married to one of my friends (laughs) or you have autism, etc., let me know and I'll get you on. Um take a listen to the first two interviews and you'll see kind of what the format looks like or i guess you'll hear what it looks like (laughs) anyway uh episode 18 who's got your belly so this episode is for everyone it applies to all but primarily men i am specifically talking to men ladies and all other genders that i'm unfamiliar with understand that this applies to you as well but speaking from my own perspective as a man with special emphasis to the men listening right now not because i don't think it is equally important for everyone but i think men have the most issues with what I'm about to cover. Do y'all remember in episode 10, the anniversary episode, how I had a list of, of things that I try to keep in mind on a daily basis? One of them was showing your belly. Hence the title of this episode, Who's Got Your Belly? Showing your belly. What I meant, be vulnerable. Be the puppy that rolls on its back to make friends, to show that it is open and inviting and willing to uh, be vulnerable. (laughs) Be that puppy. Y'all like puppies. Why would you not want to be one? Nobody hates puppies. Just keep that in mind while we're talking. Everybody loves puppies, okay? Keep that in mind. 
So we're talking about being vulnerable, being emotionally available. That's a phrase that gets tossed around a lot. I think the concept that I want to cover, this being vulnerable, is perfectly captured in pop culture in one of my favorites, if not my favorite movie of all time. The Iron Giant. (laughs) For those of you who know that that is my favorite movie, I'm sure you're either rolling your eyes or laughing and thinking about how cute I am. (laughs) Okay, so why? Why The Iron Giant? If y'all have seen the movie, remember, with me. If you haven't, spoiler alert. Seriously, go watch the movie. Pause this podcast and go watch the damn movie. It's good. 1999, Brad Bird, directorial debut. He made The Iron Giant, his first film. Can you believe that? Watch the film. You won't be able to believe it. Did that sound like Donald Trump right now? I think it did, but I don't know. I've been drinking. Um, Okay, The Iron Giant. It's a robot who was created as a weapon of war. Whose society, the planet that he came from, programmed him to be violent and angry and destructive. He is sent to Earth. He comes to this planet with violent intent. But the entry through the atmosphere goes wrong. He hits his head can't remember shit he basically has robot amnesia whatever you want to call that because of that fortunate event in which he cannot remember why he was here he spends his time on the planet learning and growing making a few friends uh, making art playing thinking about life and death learning to be sad discerning right from wrong he is essentially a child who is learning how to be human how to be a person from his you know very close circle the few friends that he is able to make on this planet however of course earth society in this particular little town in maine is committed to being afraid of him saying he is a monster and a weapon, and making him the enemy despite his every effort to show that, in the words of the Iron Giant, he is not a gun. He's trying to show them that he's not a threat. Unfortunately, that programming is accidentally activated. The programming that makes him dangerous, the programming, the ways he was taught that make him a threat and and a, a destructive force are activated in a moment that he just doesn't know how to process. He doesn't know how to handle a threat. He doesn't know how to grieve. So he runs and hides in shame, but all the while challenging the accusations that he is indeed a danger. Later in the film, when it is activated again in a moment of high stress, 
and grief and loss when he thinks his best friend has died at his own hand that programming takes over for real and maybe if he'd had more time with his mentors with the few close friends if you want to call them family of his that he has made maybe it wouldn't have happened in that moment maybe that programming wouldn't have overridden what he was trying to learn but it does and it's awful it's violent and destructive and he hurts a lot of people it's terrible (laughs) and then what brings him back what is it that keeps that process from continuing what breaks the cycle it's his best friend and mentor fearlessly showing him that it's okay to be afraid and that it's okay to be hurt and it's okay to grieve and that despite what he is being told and despite what he is being shown by everyone else around him he gets to choose who he is and nobody else am i a little choked up yeah (laughs) that's one of my favorite movies for a reason I don't even think I knew the reason for years and years and years. But now I do. (laughs) That movie says so much to me, maybe unintentionally, about how we as men are taught to operate and are treated in the society that we live in. What I want you to get out of that, well, I want you to get all sorts of things out of that, but right now, I want everyone listening, men specifically, listen to me, I want everyone to be the Iron Giant. You may have years worth of programming that's hardwired into you. You may have been told from day one that you are something, that you are this or that, and this is what you should and and you know rightfully this is the only option available to you you can overcome it you can choose you get to say i am open to change i am open to being something else i am accepting of what others have to say but they do not define me I'm vulnerable, but I'm not weak. That whole sequence in the movie reminds me of a quote, of course. And I actually don't know who said this. (laughs) This was just one of those social media things that got passed around and I saved it. Honestly, I have no idea who said this. (laughs) Pay attention to the emotional limits you hit in conversations whenever you're triggered. This can be in any situation, whether romantic or a friendship or in the workplace. You'll begin to see that the moment where you want to shut down or escalate is the moment when your deepest core desire is to be vulnerable and be heard and understood. 
Do y'all see how that applies <laughs> to the plot of that film? Paying attention to the emotional limits. The emotional limit was, in that situation, I don't know how to grieve the death of someone close to me. And whereas my first reaction earlier in the story was to shut down and be ashamed and run and hide. Now my reaction is to lash out and escalate and hurt and destroy because those are the only things that I have been programmed to do. Maybe he just wanted to be heard and understood. You know, maybe if somebody, and I'm not putting any blame on his mentors because they had such a limited amount of time. Maybe if somebody had taught the Iron Giant how to grieve, that would never have happened. It wouldn't have even gotten to that point. Uh, food for thought. So, my question, or I should say my challenge to the men who are listening is are you going to run away or turn into a killer death machine and destroy the town? <laughs> the answer should be neither. We, and when I say we, I mean myself included, we have typically, you know, resorted to one or the other. Too much emotion, shut down. Too much more emotion, you know, lash out, yell, hurt, say things you don't mean, push people away. Be angry and be scary and be mean because it's easier. <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> be those things because it's easier to feel that way than to feel scared, than to feel sad, than to feel lost. Those are harder emotions to deal with, and we are told that they are to be pushed down and replaced with ones that are easier to manage, ones that we are taught to replace them with. And so that really is the answer to the question. Why do men balk? vulnerability why do we shy away from being open with the people that we claim are closest to us with the people that we claim to care the most about why do we avoid doing maybe one of the very you know top most important things why do we avoid doing that with the people that we say we love more than the world that we say mean more to us than anything because it's scary it's unfamiliar. We're taught that it's dangerous. It makes us weak. Like we're taught that it makes us lesser, that it's not manly, that it makes us, you know, other. I guess, what do we call that? Unothering. Is that a word? <laughs> I feel like it's apt in this situation. We are taught that it is not, it's not good for us, that it makes us lesser i think that's the the best descriptor there i say fuck that <laughs> like come on 
there is nothing about being genuine and truthful to yourself that makes you weak. Not a damn thing. There is nothing about showing others that you feel what you feel that makes you lesser. These are just human things. These are things that make us who we are. Your emotions, like we've, like we've covered in this podcast, your emotions are all natural. They are all A-OK. You are allowed and encouraged, or you should be. Let me say that again. I say, and what is right, is that you should be allowed and encouraged to feel those emotions. This is not what society says. That's the problem. But I'm saying it, and it's the truth. Those feelings that you feel are what make you human. And to deny any of them is the actual thing that is making you lesser. Feeling them is right. Denying them is what is making you less of a man. Denying those feelings and pushing them down is what is making you weak. Is that a tough pill to swallow? It was for me. (laughs) It probably is for everybody. I would ask you this. Everybody, do you let others dictate to you what it means to be you? Like on a conscious level, do you allow other people to say, hey, Justice, this is how you should be, and this is what you should do, and this is why, and you should follow these rules because I said so. Do you consciously allow that to happen? No. Hell no. If somebody were to say that to you, I'm guessing you would tell them, you know, where they could go. (laughs) Why do you let, why do we all let the people around us dictate what we're allowed to feel? It's not explicit. I think that's one of the reasons. We're not being told that in as many words. Hey, you cannot feel sad. It's bad. (laughs) That's not happening. But all the context clues, all the little nonverbal communication, all the, you know, phrases like, be a man, rub some dirt on it, walk it off, don't be a pussy. (laughs) All those phrases, that's what I'm talking about. The constant barrage of don't feel what you feel, don't show weakness, and I use Weakness in quotations, because it's not. It's not weakness. But, you know, that's what we're told, right? Don't show weakness. Don't feel what you feel. Don't be vulnerable. Um, Don't cry. For God's sake, don't cry. Like, come on. Come on. That's, like, think about it. If we think about it logically, that is some bullshit. And we know it. I just clinked my glass against the microphone. That's what that sound was. Let's do it again. Whoa. Wild. Okay, where were we? I got distracted by the glass thing. (laughs) Oh, okay. So if you find yourself in a mood 
to be different, to progress, to grow in this area, to figure out how to be vulnerable, how to emote <laughs> in the full range, which I don't, I don't know if I coined that term, but it is a damn good one, emoting in the full range. God, somebody, somebody write that down. Uh, so if you find yourself wanting to change, what do you do about it? First off, talk about that shit. And I don't mean just with with words. It doesn't matter with who. You could even start with yourself. Talk to yourself. If you're like me, talking out loud to yourself when you're alone is very helpful. And I don't know why that is. But try it out. You know? Uh, you know what? We've talked about it before. Get yourself a journal. Write down what you're feeling. Get the feelings out. That is what emoting is. If if you've spent your whole life learning how to block that shit off and you know purposefully not emote, it's gonna be hard. You know, you don't know how to do it instinctively, reactively, so you gotta do it intentionally in the journal. Get the feelings out. Don't bottle them up. Don't let them fester. Get them down on paper. That's one way to do it. Uh, you could do it in a, uh, what did I talk about before? An audio recording, you know, like this, except maybe not release it to other people. Unless you're comfortable. I don't know. Fuck it. Uh, or you could do what I did when I started. Man, okay. My, my journey down this road, down this path, started many a moon ago <laughs> many years ago with you guessed it a breakup <laughs> uh what i did oh i spilled whiskey on myself i got scotch on my knee uh what i did was i started a journal on my computer like on on my um desktop and it was, <laughs> you know, looking back, I don't feel any amount of shame or, or, or anything like that, but it is kind of embarrassing. Like at first it was just like this stream of consciousness, um, rant. <laughs> it was like all of the shitty feelings that I was feeling just one after another, no structure, few coherent you know, stories, sentences, what, I mean, I was writing in full sentences, but it was just, how did I describe it? I was exercising the demons. I was drawing out the poison. God. And it felt fucking yucky. Like in a good way, it's like, you know, when you pull a giant ass splinter out of your, out of your skin or you pop a huge zit um, you take a giant shit, <laughs> like it's gross for sure. It's gross, but it is also such a relief to get that out of you. Ah, <laughs> oh, that is the gnarliest way I've ever described. That. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just like drawing the poison out. I wasn't showing anybody. I, nobody else was reading it. 
this never this journal that I originally started never went to my therapist. She never read any of it when I started therapy. It was literally just for me to start emoting, to start expressing the feelings that I had spent 27 years not expressing. I had spent 27 years bottling them up. Before I turned, before that, that, that point, when I was 27, I could probably count the times that I had cried as an adult. Shit, probably even since I was like 16 or 17. I could count those times maybe on one hand. Maybe two. But it certainly wasn't 10. You know? And then guess what? After that whole process, after I started expressing what I was feeling, after I started emoting in the full range, I can't fucking stop crying. (laughs) I cry all the time, like about like anything. (laughs) I was trying not to cry when I was talking about the Iron Giant. Shit just hits me different and it feels right, you know? It feels okay to cry. And I am not ashamed about it at all because it is right and it is okay. That is what humans are supposed to do. That is what makes you a person. When something makes you feel and maybe feel intensely enough, sadly enough, feels sad feels sadly whatever you know that's the natural reaction that's what your body is screaming for you to do fucking cry bro (laughs) oh man so a little bit of a tangent there uh that's what you can do about it is get the feelings out first and foremost get them out if that means a journal or an audio log or you talk to your dog and believe me, I do. Jonesy's my main man. He knows everything about me. <laughs> if that's what it means, do it. Secondly, if you start with yourself, like I did, move at some point to expressing those feelings to others. And I don't necessarily mean a therapist, although you can, and I fully endorse that. But I also mean express them with whoever you feel safe with, whether that's certain family members or friends or maybe coworkers because there's a certain level of anonymity (laughs) with them. There's a certain level of separation uh, and maybe you don't see them outside of work. You know, whatever. Strangers on the street, you know, talk to somebody at the bar. Talk to whoever because guess what? Talking about it makes it better. And I don't just mean for yourself. Talking about it, just like everything else that we have discussed on this podcast, makes it better. It sheds light. It opens the window and lets in that fresh air into some stinky, festered, musty bullshit that we have all, you know, collectively decided belongs in the fucking basement. We all feel. Like these feelings, these emotions happen to everyone, whether they say it or not, whether they admit it or not. 
And we then revert to our programming to hide them and squash them. Like, we think it feels better to do that. We think it feels better to to run from these things because, ooh, they're scary and they hurt and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't. Believe me. Actually, don't believe me. Believe yourself. If you take a minute and you think really, like, you tr- truthfully think, be honest with yourself about whether it feels better to hide and run from those things or not, you're going to find that it doesn't. It does not feel better. You have been lied to. You have been lying to yourself. And it's not your fault. But now that you know, (laughs) this moment is pivotal. I'm going to claim that this moment is pivotal. This listening to my podcast. You're welcome. Now that you know, it is your fault. If you keep along the path of hiding them and running from them and doing things to distract yourself, all the while knowing better, then it is your fault. Emote in the full range. Be yourself. Be open. These are things that you know feel right. It feels good. They feel healthy. Do these things for yourself. And do these things so others around you feel safe to be themselves too. So they feel safe to do what's right. That is what is going to fix things. That it is <laughs> that is what's going to make shit better. If we collectively decide that it is okay and we decide that because we've been shown that it's going to get better. We are going to start seeing, in my opinion, <laughs> much like this whole podcast is my opinion, we are going to see a change for the better where people feel like they can emote, like they can be vulnerable, like they can feel the things that they are already feeling. <laughs> what you don't want is to end up as that crusty old man who can't cry even at the death of family members, you know? Who ends up coming unraveled when he backs the car up over the dog and he puts every tear he's never shed into that socially acceptable outlet of crying for his dead dog, you know? And his family stands by and watches and wonders why he never did that for any of them. Why he can cry for the dog and not for, you know, Aunt Eunice. <laughs> why he can't cry when his son gets sent off to war or his daughter dies in a car accident. Why the dog <laughs> is what set him off, you know? And God, what a terrible situation for that guy to be in, right? Like he's never felt like he could cry for any of that awful shit that happened but he's been told that a dog is is a man's best friend and crying for your dog is manly enough that it's allowed so everything that's ever happened to him 
every loss, every time he didn't grieve when he should have, when he needed to, all of that gets put into grieving for his dog. And while it is sad, while that is something worth grieving for, the dog doesn't know. The dog's dead. It's the people in his life that are affected by that behavior. It's the family and the friends that suffer alongside him. You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> if you want to connect with people and have real, meaningful, fulfilling relationships, if you want to feel better, more whole, more authentic, less regulated by the the constraints constraints that society has placed on you you have to work on this this is a non-negotiable and i think that we generally understand this i think that despite everything that has been pounded into our brains from an early like a regrettably early age Side note, it's a damn shame that we are teaching our children this. Like, why are we teaching our sons to be fucking robots? Yuck. Anyway, what was I saying? I can't remember. Work on this. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Because it's necessary. And you know. You know it's necessary. It may feel like you can get away without doing it. But... At the end of your life, do you want to look back and realize that you were never able to connect on a, on a, on, what am I trying to say here? You were never able to connect with anybody in the way that you wanted to, in the way that you really would have benefited from because you weren't able to be vulnerable because you couldn't let people in because you couldn't show <laughs> your god dang emotions. Like that would be a horrible regret to carry your deathbed i'll leave you with this last thoughts what if the iron giant hadn't sacrificed himself at the end of the movie and saved the town y'all remember when he does that when he says i go you stay no following and then he leaps into the air and fucking headbutts a nuclear missile to save the people that hated him. Well, really, he's trying to save the few that loved him. But, you know, it all amounts to the same thing. What if he hadn't done that, right? He didn't fly up into the air and close his eyes heroically and fucking say Superman and then crash into that missile. What if he had destroyed the town himself in his grief and his rage and his unregulated state and then bottled up all the self-loathing and self-hatred over that act bottled it up inside and moved on and tried to you know soothe himself with (laughs) 
lose robot women and robot alcohol and robot heroin, robot black tar heroin. <laughs> and then he kept repeating the pattern. That shit kept happening. He moves on to the next town and he tries to get close to somebody and then something terrible happens and he destroys the town. And then he moves on to the next town and he tries to get close to somebody and he tries to understand his place in the world and he gets upset and he gets hurt and then he destroys the town. Like he just keeps repeating the pattern. What a shitty movie that would be. (laughs) But you know what the fucking saddest part is? That'd be more realistic to how things actually work in the world. Think about that shit. That is how we operate. That is how men operate. We don't deal with our shit and we move around and we fuck things up. (laughs) And I'm laughing because I'm angry and it's hard to be angry into the microphone. (laughs) That is what happens. We move from fucking situation to situation from person to person and we fuck things up because we don't know how to deal with our shit because we are taught to not deal with it because we ignore what we know is right what is best (laughs) could you tell i'm passionate about this I think this is why I had to have a drink before I recorded this episode. I'm actually still drinking (laughs) because as I may have said to some of you before, I truly believe as I think a lot of you do that alcohol is just the great uninhibitor and you don't say or do anything on under the influence of alcohol that you don't want to say or do. You just feel more free to do so. And this topic is very important to me. It is very important to everyone, whether you realize it or not. And I wanted to get my point across effectively. And I think what effectively meant to me was show the emotion behind it. Show you know, in the beginning of this episode, the sadness show the hurt. And later on in this episode, show the anger and the fed upness <laughs> with how things work. I don't want to be that guy, that crusty old fucking calcified you know petrified tree of a man i don't want to have things happen to me and not be able to show how they impact me you know i think part of connecting with others is sharing in these emotions you know there's a the saying and i've said it here before Misery loves company. And then I went on to say all emotions love company. And it is true. And if you cannot feel, if you cannot show that you feel, how are you supposed to have company? You know, there is no saying that says, you know, fucking people who can't emote and can't and, you know, are robots. 
those people love company. That's not a thing. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm kind of rambling on this on this last little bit, but I guess we'll wrap it up. So, please think about this. Please reach out. Please get in line with how you truly feel. I feel like there are no options. It's necessary. Okay. On that note, I just want to remind everybody that this podcast, your ex-boyfriend's podcast, is available pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, um, like I did last week. I'm not going to list them out <laughs> anymore. Google it. But I will tell you that it's on Podbean at justicetenna.podbean.com. And if you want to reach out to me about whatever, whatever strikes your fancy, hopefully you want to be a guest. <laughs> um, my email is your exbf podcast at gmail.com. Also, I post on Instagram with new episodes, and you can also reach me there if you want at your underscore exbf underscore podcast. You know, whatever you want to reach out for. If it's thoughts, concerns, questions, you want to be a guest, either of those platforms works. And lastly, I just want to say that I appreciate all of you. I don't think I've said that in a while. I appreciate everybody who's listening. Um, I've mentioned before that I do this primarily to help. I'm trying to help and I hope it's working. I do do this for me. <laughs> also, it is a little bit selfish because I find it very cathartic. And I find the act of creating this podcast very healthy for me. But um, it's primarily for you. So I appreciate each and every one of you who are listening. Each and every one of you who reach out uh, on a regular basis or not regular basis. Um, I can't thank you enough. So, with that, please, everybody, stay safe out there. Enjoy this, you know, beautiful weather. If you live in Washington, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, and keep doing what you're doing. If you're anywhere on this path with me, uh, keep up the good work. I'll talk to you next Sunday. Bye.